right, all right. Well, good morning again. If you're just joining us online, want to say hello, good morning, and uh, welcome to church. Come on, we are, uh, man, hey, uh, Tim, give me a little bit more juice. Um, I'll explain why in a second. Um, uh, Today, I'm going to try something different for me. I'm gonna try to lean back on my volume of talking a little bit. Reason is, is uh, I'm, having a, I'm having a few vocal issues and uh, went and got, how many of you have ever got your vocal cords scoped before? Anybody? A couple of people, no? It's just me, I'm the only one. <laughs> a couple, the spray that they put up in your nose like to, to numb the nasal cavities is uh, in case you're ever going, it's like fire, just in case you're wondering. My, my wife loves hot salsa and I felt like I just like, you know, like, put just six sprays each nostril of that in my, my face. And so anyway, uh, they had to kind of scope my vocal cords. I'm, I'm having some, 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 uh, some vocal fatigue. And if you know me, I'm a vocal processor, so I like to talk a lot. And, so, and also whenever I uh, communicate, I, I, I kind of push a little bit. So I'm having to kind of lean back. Uh, I'm, I'm on a, man, he said, first thing is I can't drink any caffeine. So that means I'm on a decaf coffee experience. And uh, uh, decaf, <laughs> you know, so I, I made a change a couple years ago. I went to half-calf, you know, because I went to French press and I realized that in our meetings every morning, I was just angry for no reason. It's just, you know, I'm like, I walk in, good morning. You know, I'm like, I think I've got a little bit too much caffeine. So anyway, dialed it back with a half calf. So the Lord knew that I would be on a no caffeine diet for a while. But um, I told Nadine yesterday because we were going to a wedding and I was like, man, this is usually a time that I get like a little, a little pick me up, you know, from a little, little afternoon cup of coffee. And I was like, is this what it feels to never have caffeine? Like just you're mellow, kind of bored, always ready for a nap. Like, I'm just perpetually ready to lay down for a nap. So um, anyway, so with that, if I come across a little bit chill or, or uh, you know, not talking as much, that, that's just me trying to do good and uh, obey the doctor's orders. He's like, it's kind of hard for me to tell you not to talk at all, since that's kind of your job, but, uh, but don't sing, which is tough for me because I sing. So like I'm on the front row, I'm like, all praise to the Lord most high, you know, <laughs> I want to yell it out. But uh, so anyway, uh, but with that, a couple more, a couple things before we get into today's message. Uh, in, uh, on February 28th, we are going to do something that we haven't done in quite a while. We've been kind of figuring out how to do it right, but we're going we're gonna to start uh, to baptize people again on February 28th. Come on. And um, so if, if you've been, maybe you've given your life to God in the last few months, or maybe, maybe it's something that happened a, a long time, but you never took that next step of getting baptized, we want to encourage you to take your next steps in your walk with God and, and get baptized. And if you would go to northwood.church slash baptisms, you can sign up there. We'll let you know uh, exactly what you need and, and when and all that good stuff, but it is going to happen on February 28th. And, uh, but I really want to highly encourage you to do that. Uh, baptism is something that's very very important in our walk with God. It's, it's really something that the Bible tells us to do, to, be, to believe and be baptized. It's a public proclamation of your faith, and uh, it's a great next step in your walk with God. So anyway, February 28th, we're going to do that. So go there and sign up. Also, uh, we are, are uh, in our second week of small group signups. So small groups are starting up next Sunday. Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're excited about our small groups. 
Um, again, we are, we are not a church that just kind of has small groups on the side. We are a church of small groups. It is a, like, it's like an artery here at Northwood Church. Um, it's, I'm gonna talk a little bit about small groups today in the message, but, but it's really a great place for you to meet other people. You know, this is a big room, a lot of different people, especially whenever we go to two services or like we were, it's, it's, there's a lot of different people that you might not see it. And, and it could just kind of look like a crowd of people, but uh, we're not just a crowd, we're a bunch of individuals, okay? And so it's just so important that you have relationships with people around you. And so, we're, so small groups, again, are, are starting next Sunday. So you can sign up uh, today in the back of the room. We've got some tables there and we'll have some leaders back there to help you uh, kind of figure a way and find one that, that fits your schedule. And uh, we have sermon-based groups, which are groups that, that follow along with our sermon series. And then we also have freedom groups, which um, can I just take a second and push with a lot of weight freedom groups. If you've never been a part of a small group here at Northwood Church, uh, and maybe you're having some trouble finding one, you know, I, I want to encourage you maybe for your first choice to come to a freedom group. Some of you have also been through a freedom group, but it's, it's been a while. And maybe there's some things that, that you need to kind of rehash and, and rewalk through. I want to encourage you to jump in a freedom group. Freedom groups happen on Sunday nights here at the church. And uh, what it is, it's, it's about 15 weeks. And at the end of the small group, we have a conference here, right here on a Sunday morning. All four locations will come together. I'm sorry, on a Saturday, and all four locations will come together. And uh, really what this group is about is helping you to, to sort of look at, at what's happened in your life, look at your past, and be set free from those things, to get free and to live free. Come on, that's what we believe. We want to help you in that process. Miss <laughs> Lola is, uh, is our freedom like cheerleader, right? Um, What's the dude from Braveheart? What's his name? William Wallace. She's the William Wallace of freedom. Freedom! <laughs> so, um, you know, some of you, you're, you're walking through life, you're, or you're trying to run through life, but you got a parachute attached to your back. And uh, every, every step that you take, every time you try to pick up speed, there's just something that pulls you back. And uh, that's the enemy's plan for you, is to hold you back, is to weigh you down, is to, like barnacles on a ship, just to attach things to your life, to slow you down, to distract you, and honestly, ultimately to destroy you. That's his plan. Um, but the Lord has, uh, has made a way through Jesus to set you free. Uh, yeah, for eternity, but, but I believe also in this life, in this life, amen? So sign up for, there, uh, for that group as well, northwood.church slash small groups. All right, so with that, we're gonna jump into, uh, really it's week three of family talk. And today we're sort of, it's sort of a transitional week um, because the next three weeks, we're really gonna get deep into our, our home life, okay, our, our family uh, in that regard. But today I kind of wanna talk about the concept of family sort of from a 30,000 uh, feet view. And it really has to do with church and with our home life, but it's more the concept of family. You know, uh, we, we hear this word family a lot. Um, and, and honestly, nowadays, the word family is used more and more and more to describe a lot of different things, right? I mean, you, if you go to the gym enough with the same group of people, eventually somebody's like, we're like family, you know? And, and I mean, uh, if you're an online gamer or whatever, you know, like these guys, they have like their, their chat is like their, their fam, right? And then like, there's all these different views of what family means. And I think it's important for us to sort of define what it means, but also to talk about how our culture is defining family today. Um, I believe that there's, a, you know, really three different things that God has ordained. And two of those two institutions are, um, are the family and the church. 
I think that the church, and we've talked a lot about the church, and so I don't want to define the church today because we've defined it quite a bit uh, recently. Uh, but, but the church is really those who are called out of darkness into light who believe in Jesus, all right? A church is not just somewhere you go on a Sunday. It's a people, right? It's a group of people. And, uh, and, and, and there's a sense of family to the church. And then there's the family that you're either born into or adopted into, and it's who you live life with, right? But this concept of family is really a big deal to us. But do you ever wonder why it's such a big deal? Like, why is family such a big concept in us innately? Well, I think it's because inside the heart of every man is the desire for belonging. Every single person has something in them that cries out to be a part of a group of people they want to belong to something bigger than themselves. It's innately like in us. And if any of you have ever studied any sort of psychology or anything, then you've heard of Abraham Maslow's um, uh, hierarchy of needs. And in case you haven't heard about it, I want to show you a quick picture. Um, and this picture, you're going to have some trouble reading some of this fine print, but, but overall, if you look, you'll see at the bottom, it says physiological. And again, this is a hierarchy of needs. And you could almost in some ways kind of look at this as a Venn diagram as well, but, but it's a hierarchy of needs. And, and at first you have these physiological needs. You need air, right? You need food, you need water, you need things to literally just for your body to stay alive. And, and then there's this next level of need. It's safety, security. And, and so first things first, you know, it, it, how am, am I able to stay alive? The next thing, am I secure? Is there safety in what's going on? But the third level right there is love and belonging. We all in our necessary needs to feel whole and to feel, kind of carry on this security, we need to be loved. We need to be a part of a family or some sort of group of people that feel like, make us feel like we have support like if everything falls apart, there's somebody that's gonna be there to help us through it. Like we have this thing in us. We need to be loved and we need to feel like we belong. And then as you kind of progress, you get into these esteem needs, self-esteem, where now, hey man, I'm, I'm good with, you know, I'm gonna continue to breathe. Uh, man, I'm good with security. I've got a home, I've, you know, I've got stability in my job or whatever. And, and now love, belonging, man, maybe, maybe I've got a good family or I've got a good support system around me. And I feel, I feel like all, all those things, are, but, but there's gotta be something more, right? So I wanna accomplish something. I wanna do something. There's a need in us that develops and is there to, to do something. And then we get to the self-actualization, which really just trying to reach our full potential. We want to reach our full potential. How many of you in this place, come on, you want to reach your full potential in life, right? I mean, like that's, that's where you're looking. You're like, man, I want to, I got these goals. I got these aspirations. However, something happens because in our society, we are pushed and pushed and pushed to reach these massive goals, to be like larger than life people, right? Like, like you can do anything you put your mind to. And so we're pumped full of this like fuel to do these things, but, but if these other needs aren't strengthened, if they're not good, if your physiological needs are shaken, if your, if your family is shaken, if your security is shaken, all of this self-esteem and self-actualization, self, self, self stuff, um, it sort of becomes unrealistic. 
because you know you, you, you know you, you, if you if you if you struggle with with self esteem, it's it's hard to like reach your full potential because you don't have confidence in that. It's also hard to to have strong self esteem if you don't have people around you that are affirming you and supporting you, right? And it's hard to have those people around you whenever there's no security in in your life. And 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 then what happens when you get sick and your physiological like, like, like you, you, whenever you, you get sick, you, you might not be looking to like accomplish all these massive goals because you're dealing with this, this pain and this suffering. You'll see how it kind of, it plays on, on, on each other. And, and so what I see in our society is, especially when we talk about love and belonging, is a great, great need to feel love and feel like you belong to something. A great need. And really, it's because we live in such a lonely society. We live in a lonely society. And yeah, I'm gonna beat the drum a little bit of social media and all that kind of stuff, that's right. Because we are so connected, but yet we are so divided, right? We're so connected at the hip to every single person. Look, y'all, the other day I counted, it was uh, by Thursday morning, it was a couple weeks ago, by Thursday morning, I had been in 40 separate conversations through text messages, 40. And it was more than 40 people because some of those were group messages. I mean, I'd probably been in contact with 80 people, I don't know, in, in like a matter of three or four hours. So connected. All of you, if you go look at your, your text messages, if you go look at your social media, you've come into contact even today with so many people. And that's all over our whole society. But yet at the same time, we are lonely. What's the deal? What's the deal? Loneliness is a pandemic. It's a pandemic. You see, God created us for belonging, but what happened is that sin entered the equation and has messed up our ability to truly actually connect, to truly have, uh, to truly have intimacy. And I don't mean that in a sexual way. I mean, I mean closeness, nearness, emotional connection with people. From the get-go, honestly, guys, one of the main things that was destroyed in the garden with Adam and Eve, whenever they disobeyed God, was intimacy. They would have conversations with God, no idea what that would look like. They sinned, they disobeyed God the very next time that God came to walk through the, through the garden. Guess where Adam and Eve were? Hiding. Division. The intimacy was broken. And here we are, generations later, thousands of years later, and we're still dealing with the same thing because God wired us to be in family. He wired us to enjoy him and to enjoy other people, but sin has messed up our ability to do this. And so therefore, here we are today. We have an epidemic with loneliness. I wanna give you some stats on loneliness in America. 46% of Americans feel lonely. Basically, 50% of people. Look around you right now. Look to your left. That person, they might not feel lonely. If they don't feel lonely, the person on your right absolutely does. Basically, that's where we're at. At the very least, we might say we feel left out. That's another way of putting it. I feel left out. Some of you might not say, I'm lonely, but you might feel like you're just kind of always on the outside. Like there's just, man, I don't feel like anybody really is like connected with me. You know what I'm saying? For, for who I am. And, and only 53% of Americans claim they have meaningful real life interactions with people. That's terrible. 53% of people only, that's it, feel like they have meaningful connection with people. 48.3% is the loneliness score of 18 to 22 year old Americans. One out of every two. 28% of older Americans live alone. That's sad. 
Some of that has to do with the breakdown of a multi-generational family in our nation. We have this whole nuclear mindset, just man, woman, and kids, and we, we kind of forget about mama and daddy, grandpa, right? And, and we've got this whole thing where we're going to go and do our own thing. And, and honestly, it's not, it's not the way that the, a lot of the world lives. It's not the way that we see in the, in the word of God. There was this multi-generational view of the family that we've sort of kind of lost to a certain extent. Lack of social relationships causes a 32% higher risk of stroke. Over 50% of Americans take prescription medication to combat emotional and physical problems due to loneliness. Americans eat 57% of all meals by themselves. This is kind of sad, right? Loneliness in high school seniors increased from 26% in 2012 to 39% in 2017. And I can only imagine where it's at right now more and more young people, even though they're so connected at the hip with their phones and all that good stuff, they're feeling more and more lonely. There's a trend here. Loneliness comes with a wide array of health consequences. The most common health risks associated with isolation and loneliness include depression, anxiety, stress, decreased memory, antisocial behavior, substance abuse, Alzheimer's disease, foggy brain, insomnia, poor decision-making, suicidal thoughts, and suicide. Also, isolated and lonely individuals are more likely to turn to food for discomfort, for comfort, and they are at higher risk of being obese. Loneliness. Loneliness, loneliness. How many of you in this place, don't raise your hand, if you really admit it right now, you, you feel lonely. You just feel like there's a, like sometimes there's just a gap between you and someone or something. You could have a room full of people and still feel lonely. What's going on? I think Psalm 68.5 speaks to God's heart about this. It says that God is a father to the fatherless. He's a defender of widows is God in his holy dwelling. Verse six, God sets the lonely in families. What's God's remedy for loneliness? To set you in a family, to set you in a family. From the beginning, this was God's heart for people and he recognized something even, even before sin entered into the equation. Check this out, Genesis 2, 18. And, and this kind of has more to do with marriage, but I think it's overall uh, still the, the same concept. Then the Lord said, it is not good that the man should be alone. You've got Adam, he's got no woman. He's got some animals, not really working out. God says, it's not good for man to be alone. I kind of think that God knew that there was just like a slight amount of ignorance in the man and... <laughs> kind of like, um, yeah, I can move that rock. You know, like, he's like, I gotta, I gotta add something to this equation here. And uh, it says that it's not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. And he created woman. And so even, even at that point in time, in the beginning of time, there was, there was a need. And I think it's also important to realize that up until this point, God had, had said everything was good. When you read the, the, the creation account, God creates this and he says, it's good. It's in order, right? He, he moves on and, and he creates something else. This is good. But here, he's like, this ain't good. It is not good for man to be alone. And I think we can expand that. It is not good for any of us to be alone. It's not good. We'll get into some societal things here in just a moment, but it's not actually good for you to be alone. You were not created to fly solo through this life. 
You aren't. Nowadays, though, because of the issues that we're dealing with through sin and whatnot, people are searching for belonging in anything and calling everything family. And I think it's kind of cool. I think it's kind of a trendy thing. We fam, we fam, right? But at the same time, do you actually think deeper than that? Like, it's not just a trendy social media tag, but like, why are we wanting that? Because we were created for family. We were created to live life in the context of relationships. And in our society, we don't feel that. We have the breakdown of our home life family, but we also have a breakdown of just how to have relationships with people. I think that that criticism of one another is at an all-time high right now. I'm gonna be honest with you guys. I'm afraid to post anything on social media, just straight up. That's why I just don't right now. It's like, hey man, I really like the sky. It's kind of blue. Well, you know, it's more of like an aqua. (laughs) She's saying that the sky is blue and I think it's pretty. Well, you know, it's not pretty where I'm at. It's kind of cloudy. It's like, dude, I don't know. Is it just me? Is it, is it just me, right? Goodness, man. You try to celebrate something, you know, like the news comes out and does like a news article for something and then like they post it and everybody's like, and I'm just like, y'all can have it. Like y'all can, you can have social media. But why don't we just all give social media to all of the uh, critics and all of the people that are so mad at life? Just y'all can have it, man. I don't know what to say. <clears throat> but but well, what's the deal? I think it's actually, it's not just about be- people being critical. It's about people missing something. They're missing something. We're, we're missing the reality that, that we're human beings. We're missing the reality that we're just all regular people who are doing our best to live life. There's a dehumanization of one another. We don't look at each other as people anymore. We look at each other as like means to an end, a number on a social media following list. I don't know. This is, it's like an epidemic. This is a problem. And it's breaking apart our relationships. It's breaking apart our ability to communicate. It's breaking our, part, uh, our ability to forgive. Like we have a disposable culture. So it's like, if I don't like what you are saying, I'm just gonna go find somebody else that says what I wanna hear. Uh, marriage is like 50-50. You know, contracts and commitments mean nothing. You know, it's just, it's, it's, it's a confusing time. And all of this social, societal view of this, it actually, it gets in the four walls of our home. It gets in the four walls of this church. Because by the way, guys, like we're a part of this culture. So, you know, being countercultural nowadays just looks like forgiving people. <laughs> like, right? <laughs> I mean, like not holding grudges or, or like, I don't know. It's a real issue. And so before we get to talk about the family, we got to talk about this concept of family, what it even means. What is, what is a family? What is a, a family? Well, according to a crowdsourced website that we found, the definition, and I think they did a, did a good job, but honestly, nobody goes to, uh, to Webster's anymore. They go to like Reddit or whatever to find their definition of what something means. And so this was the definition that was given. Ready? A a family, a group of people usually of the same blood, but do not have to be, who genuinely love, trust, care about, and look out for each other. I love this part. Not to be mistaken with relatives sharing the same household who hate each other. (laughs) There's some baggage there. 
right? There's some baggage. There's something there. There's a, there's a bigger story to be told. But, um, <laughs> but I think the last sentence, actually, interestingly enough, is, is kind of Jesus's approach to family. It's this. Real family is a bond that cannot be broken by any means. It, it's this bond that actually doesn't have as much to do with blood, right? Like, like who your blood is and, and, and who's in your house. There's, there's this higher bond that, that they're speaking of. And, and honestly, I'll, I'll kind of wrap a, a word around it. Uh, I'll wrap this word covenants. I think family is more about covenants. And I know that you could be in a covenant with somebody and, and it, you know, for some people, I mean, I'm, I'm living in a neighborhood, we have a covenant, whatever the case is. But but this word, biblically speaking, is much, much deeper than just a contractual, like in our society, sign the dotted line, handshake. It's this core, deep, heartfelt commitment of what I said I'm going to do or be or be a part of. I am in this no matter what. And whenever there's that type of commitment, there's not this fear attached to the whole thing busting apart. Think about if, if in your marriage right now, if you're married, if there was a fear every day that your spouse might walk out on you, some of you might be living that right now, but, but some of you, like th- if, you have a, if you have a healthy marriage, think about if you had to get up every day wondering if your spouse just wasn't gonna be there that night, how that would affect every thought, every moment, every conversation, every meal, no no confidence in that relationship. Well, you can't, you can't really have a, a good relationship. The thing that makes a marriage work is whenever you know that they're not gonna walk out because they're as committed to you as you are to them, right? There's this bond, but we kind of are losing that ability to do that. So being in a family means that when you face trials and circumstances, you lean in whenever it gets tough. And there's a group of people. It also means that there's a group of people who will be there when no one else is. Whenever everything is hitting the fan, who's the person that shows up? It might not be like 25 people. Is it one? Is it two? Who, who are the people? Who do you text? Who do you call whenever it gets tough? You know, those people are sort of like your family, supporting you. But the first thing is, what is a family? And again, I didn't want to define it as just blood because I think it's bigger than that. Especially in our society, there's this bigger concept. But why do I need to be in a family? What is a family? But why do I need to be in a family? And <clears throat> honestly, guys, I find that people need to be even convinced that they need to be in a, they need, they need other people in their, in their life nowadays. There's a lot of you, a lot of people in our society that are so individualistic nowadays that it's like, I got this. I'm good. I don't need you. I don't need to let you into my life. I got this. And so they isolate themselves out of this whole, like, it's really like a pride, but like, I got this. I don't need other people. How many of you ever said that? I don't need anybody else, right? Yeah, you do. Yes, you do. But we've been programmed in our society to think that we don't. I don't need anybody else. I got this. I'm gonna make my own path. I think that's why the multi-generational family is just passing away. We've got, we've got family businesses that have been passed on two, three, four generations and all of a sudden we get to the you know, millennial Gen Z and they're like, I'm making my own way. Why? Well, I just need to spread my wings. What is that concept that's in us now 
that, that we have to break away from the structure and the support system around us in order to go to be successful. I think it's pride. Because when you look back in 30 years, you'll be able to say, I built this. Not my daddy, not my mama, not my grandpa. I did this. What is that? What is that thing that's in our culture? I don't think it's healthy. Now, I know that there's a lot of reasons why we break away and stuff like that. I'm not saying that 100%, but, but, but th- that, that moment of like, things are really good, but I'm still gonna leave. Like God has a plan and God does things, but I think, there, I think there's something to it. And I think it ties into our view of what a family is and, 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 and how we view uh, relationships. I really do. Uh, this individualistic assault is, uh, is, on the, is assaulting the family. It's destroying the family from the inside out. Uh, honestly, there, there's, a, there's this big tension right now in our society between individualism and collectivism. Like, am I a part of a group or am I just me and my own self? And, and you know what, guys? It's actually both and. And we struggle with both and. We struggle with that. We don't do good whenever, whenever there's two sides of the fence and both actually have truth to them because we wanna go on one side or the other. I am an American and I'm also a part of America. You're a part, you're, you're, you're a Northwoodian, <laughs> right? Like individually, you're, but you're also a part of a collective group of people, right? You're, you have your own individual relationship with God, but you're also a part of the church, the, the, the bigger picture. God's called out once. You're one person in your family, right? But you're also a part of a family. Like we cannot detach our individualism from our collectivism, it's actually married together. And when we try to, to break it apart, things get weird. So why do I need a family? Well, first thing I'll say is this, is that uh, a family is about we, not me. Family is about we, not me. At any point, whenever a person that's a part of a family, part of a group of people begins to look out for numero uno, and that's all they care about, selfishness, the relationship begins to break down. Every marriage that is broken down without fail, you can look back and you can see selfishness, 100%. Every time, without fail, 100%. Every single time, selfishness, that's what caused it. And self, selfishness is what? Sin, it's what it is. Selfishness is what breaks down. It's what breaks down the, 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 the fibers of the family. But why do I need a family? Well, here's a few things. You need a family for support. You need a family, that's right. You need people around you to support you. And also, you need to be in a family so you can support others. Because guess what? It's happened so many times. One week, I'm good, I'm strong, I'm feeling it. Yeah, 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 my buddy's not. And so I'm like, hey man, they do be encouraged, blah, blah, blah. And then guess what? The next week, roles reversed. They're down, I'm up. I mean, or, or I'm down, they're up. And they're like, hey man, remember last week you told me to keep going? Keep going. You know what I'm saying? And that can apply to a lot of different things. We need support. Spiritual growth. Did you know that it's impossible for you to fully develop as a Christian alone? I'm telling you. Read the word of God and, and let me know. Let me know what you think. God's plan is iron sharpens iron, Right? encourage one another, stir one another to good works. Did you know that right now we are stirring one another to good works? As believers gathering together to celebrate Jesus and to, 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 to read the word and to hear a message and to sing together, we are being stirred to, to righteous living, character formation. 
Yeah, it's easy to go live on the side of a mountain and never have to interact with somebody, but your character's not gonna be formed, right? Character is formed in angry times, <laughs> in sad times, in, in, those, in those moments. That's whenever your character is being formed. You need people for that. Shared responsibilities in everyday life. Everyday life, come on, raising kids. You know, some of you, maybe you don't live by family and, and you've got kids and that's tough because for some people who maybe live around family, they just make a phone call and they've got a support system. Others, especially, I know we've got a lot of military uh, in this community and, and, and that's one of the big things I, I know as you move into a new community is, I, I don't know anybody, you know, I, I, got, I need some support. My family is wherever and, and I need support, I need help. And we need that, right? Even in practical everyday life. Somebody gets sick, who's gonna show up to bring the soup, you know? Ecclesiastes talks about this, says two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow, but woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? This isn't just talking about saying warm, guys. This is a deeper meaning. It's not good for you to be alone. It's not good for you to fly solo. And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. We need family. We need family for support for all of these wonderful things. But what does family look like? What does family actually look like? Well, in the body of Christ, belonging to a family looks a lot like this. And I wanna read a paragraph to you. It says this, Growing in Christ is a process that is revealed in the each other or one another language in the New Testament. Love one another, forgive each other, regard each other more highly than yourselves, teach and correct one another, encourage one another, pray for one another, bear each other's burdens. Be friends with one another, kind, compassionate, and generous in hospitality. Hospitality. Did you know that hospitality is a spiritual gift? It's not just being nice to people. Hospitality is a, is, a, is a part of the community of believers. I think we could do better with hospitality. I think we can do better. You know, a couple years ago, I did a, a message here and uh, I know I did it for a leadership meeting. I'm pretty sure I did it on Sunday. You remember, I, and I had those Lego pieces. I had some Lego pieces. And, and you know, each of us, we have a certain threshold for how many close relationships we can have in our lives. Uh, you know, we kind of max out. For some people, they have like two prongs two little like Legos and that's it. Like I can't, you know, highly introverted or whatever the case is, or, you know, and they're just like, I, I just, I don't want to let people too close. And hopefully those Lego pieces grow. But, uh, but some people, man, they got like the, the 20 prong Lego. Just, they could just, dude, people at the house all the time, blah, 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 blah. But no matter where you're at on that scale, um, in the context of a church we're talking about right now, over time, our Lego piece gets full. You know, we just, we've, our Lego piece fills up. We got friends. Like I, I, got, I got family and I got my friends and like, I'm good. And, uh, but but there's, there's other people who's, who don't have that. So there comes a time, there comes a moment whenever you have to make some decisions to make some room on that Lego piece. I think it looks a lot like hospitality. Being hospitable to people. Small groups is a part, a great, a great way that we do that here. Opening up your home opening up your life to, to, to other people. Sure, maybe you don't, maybe you've been around for a while and you don't need the support, but other people do. 
And that's what we're called to do is to support people, to help them follow Jesus, right? We have to continue to open up our lives to people in order for that to take place. But, but generous in hospitality, serve one another, to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. If you just tell me to submit to somebody out of reverence for Christ, we just brought it to a new level. Why do we do these things? out of reverence for Christ? Why do we love one another out of reverence for Christ and what he's done for us? Why do we forgive one another because he forgave us? That's right. Why are we hospitable? Because God's been hospitable to us to let us into his kingdom. Like you, 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 out of reverence for Christ takes all of this from a self-help book to the gospel. That's what it does. I don't forgive people because I want to forgive them. I forgive them because God has mandated me to forgive each, each other, to forgive other people, to not become bitter. Why? Because the Bible says that if I don't release and forgive people, that God won't release and forgive me. And when I look at the cross and when I see Jesus, a picture of Jesus dying for my sin, forgiving who I am, I don't have a choice. And I joyfully forgive. Why? Because my life is centered on the gospel. It's centered on the person and the work of Jesus Christ. That's the power of the gospel that fuels righteous living. Does it make sense? Like that, that, that's the key. That, like you want a golden bullet for your life or a silver bullet? A golden bullet, is that a thing? Silver bullet for your life? Ask that question to add, add out of reverence for Christ to everything that you do. Am I treating that person out of reverence for Christ? Am I, am I saying this out of reverence for Christ? Am I, it changes the dynamic of your life. It centers everything back on what matters. Northwood Church is a family of believers. And guys, listen, like I'm not naive. Like we've got a, we've got a, Four different churches, four different communities, right? We've got a lot of people here. I'm looking at you. I don't know your name. I, just, I don't know your name. Um, I was at a wedding yesterday and had a couple of people, hey, Pastor Jordan. Hey. <laughs> What's up? And they, I, I mean, figured they were from church, you know, and they're from Long Beach and um, said their name. And I'm like, I know your name. I just, I don't know you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, it's easy to get to that place. However, I'm not gonna know everybody. Pastor Casey, he ain't gonna know everybody. It's, it's impossible. However, we are fully committed to create an environment where you can know one another. And that's why small groups, it's not just an institutional thing that we do. We don't, we don't do institutional things, just, oh, well, we gotta have this thing going on. So that we're gonna, no, 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 what's the purpose of it? It's, it's to create uh, pockets almost like smaller gatherings inside the big gathering. You know what I'm saying? Like that, obviously small groups, but, but that's, that's the heart. And so that's why we push it so hard. That's why we want you to be in a group because if you just show up on Sundays, you're really not a part of this family. Just being genuine with you. You know what I'm saying? Like, come on, man. It's, it's like going to the gym you know, or paying, paying to go to the gym, but like hardly showing up. You kind of, you know, or, or walking into the gym, but not actually getting on the machine and doing some sort of, workout, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah, like, like, just come on, man. Like, you know, and then what happens is some people, it's like, man, that's just a big church. 
this big church. And, and over time, we can begin to lose that familial feel. A lot of you have been around for a long time and, and maybe you remember back in building two and 150 people, you know, it was easy to know everybody. You, I mean, you knew everybody. And then as things grow, as I believe things should or, or can, I think that's a great thing, other complications come in, right? I would love if my kids stayed three years old. Like honestly, me and Adina are at the spot right now where seriously, God hit the pause button. It's a great, it's a great age. We love it. But you know what? They're going to progress and things are going to get more complicated and we're going to have to, to release and, and all these things. But, but man, we just want it to stay like it is. Guys, look, this church is going to continue to morph and change. It is. But there's some things that, that cannot change. And what can't change is connectivity with people, love for people, and a, we're, we're a family. And sometimes we gotta kinda tighten those screws a little bit, right? But Northwood Church is a family of believers, but also Ephesians challenges us in, in this way, again, in regards to Christ. He says, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. You, anytime you read the, the scripture, it talks about the family of God. We, we are referred to as children children of God, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us. Again, that's what I just said a while ago. A fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. For at one time you were, dark, you were, uh, you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Paul knows that our default is, is gonna walk. We're gonna, we're gonna walk in darkness, right? Like, like it, our default is children of darkness. Our default is hate. Our default is, is selfishness and unforgiveness and divisiveness. And he's like, don't walk like that. Out of reference for Christ, walk in love. Now, over the next three weeks, we're gonna talk about family uh, in, our, in our home. Next week, we're gonna talk about communication which um, is probably one of the biggest issues in every family, period, is we don't know how to communicate, y'all. We really don't. We don't know how to just sit down and have a conversation and actually go from point A to point B. We're gonna talk a little bit about communication. And then we're gonna talk about marriage because we need to talk about marriage and the importance of marriage and, and, and all the things that go into that. And then we're gonna talk about parenting. So that's the next three weeks. But today, again, I wanted to talk about this, this bigger concept of family. And as we spoke about Sin has destroyed uh, the family. And it's something that we couldn't fix and something that we still can't fix today. But God created a new family through the person and work of Jesus. He created a new family to such a degree, and this is about to rattle some of your cages, so don't turn me off yet. This is how Jesus spoke about family. While Jesus was still talking to the crowd, picture it, big crowd of people. Jesus is standing there, he's talking to a big crowd of people. His mother and brother stood outside, outside the door, whatever. They're right over there, wanting to speak to him. And someone told him, kind of came up on the stage, right? Hey, 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 uh, Jesus, yeah, yeah, whenever you get done, your, your mother and your brother are out there. They want to have a word with you, you know? Maybe there was a little bit of entitlement there, right? Jesus is my brother. Yes, just tell him I'm here. <laughs> He'll want to have a word do you know who I am? I'm James. <laughs> and Jesus, just Jesus, man. I tell you, he, I feel like everything he said was just like, he just took everybody off, off, like everybody's off balance with him. 
Like you're just, you're, you know, you're like, oh yeah, okay, okay, Jesus is gonna say this. And he's like, bam, I didn't even know you were standing there. Like, where did you, you know? That's what he says. Who is my mother and who are my brothers? He pointed to his disciples. Some of these people that he had only known for just a few months, maybe a couple years. He said, here are my brother, my mother and my brothers. These, these people, they're my mother and my brothers. Those outside, for whoever does the will of my father, God in heaven is my mother, my sister and my brother. Jesus's view of the family and, and how, what he was communicating was something completely different. It was a different paradigm. And, and in our culture, we, we struggle with that. I'm sure some of you, you read that and like maybe that was the first time you've, you've read that and that like came up against something in you. You're like, that sounds like a cult. Come on. How many of you, the first time you read that, I mean, maybe it wasn't today, you were like, that's, I've, I've, I've watched about that on Lifetime, right? The Scientologist, so I'm pretty sure that's, what's your name? What's the, what's the lady? Scientologist lady. Leah Remney, yeah, it's like, I've watched that before. I, I know how this ends, you know? No, that's not what Jesus was talking about. He was talking about how God was creating a new family and that he was literally going to be the, the start of this new family, this new covenant. And it was, gonna be, it was gonna be founded upon Jesus. You see, the depth of family can only truly be understood through the lens of the gospel, the depth of family. And, and for believers, we should not view the family, we should not view the word the family, especially whenever we're talking about the family of God, we should not view it in the same way that the world views it because we have a different lens in which we see everything. And I spoke a lot about that in regards to forgiveness and whatnot. But remember the definition, real family is a bond that cannot be broken by any means. Right? Remember that the definition from the crowdsource website. And I think that that bond for us is the blood of Jesus. That covenant was born and was instituted through the blood of Jesus. And this family, if you're a believer in here right now, and some of you are, are about to make a decision to follow Jesus, as believers, we are in a family, a family of believers by the blood of Jesus. Not by church membership. It's so much deeper than that. We've got to have this in us because if we don't have this in us, then as a local church, as a local community, uh, it, it, it'll just devolve into uh, a contractual sort of feel. It'll, it'll devolve into just doing things because that's just what we do instead of being who we were called to be, brothers and sisters in Christ. And so what I wanna challenge you with is as you go to your small groups over the next few weeks, I don't want you to walk in as, as a person that just kind of consumes and sits there and just waiting for it to get done. I want you to walk in and say, this guy is my brother. This woman is my sister. We are the family of God called out of darkness into light. And we're doing this out of reverence for Christ. Amen.
And I really believe that this is where God is leading our church. I really believe that this is where he's leading us is to, to focus upon this in a deeper way. So I wanna, I wanna encourage you not just to hear what I'm saying today and just try to apply it today and say, man, what, what little nugget? No, this is, a, this is going to be, a, this is fuel in the tank for the church. This is the driving force. This is, this is what we're called to be. And it's what God has been putting on our hearts for a very long time. So I wanna encourage you in that. And I wanna end with this because I know that some of you today, maybe you're far from God and I wanna invite you in to a relationship with Jesus. John 1 says, but to all who did receive him, how do you receive him? Who believed in his name. That's how you receive Jesus. You don't quote a certain thing or, or do a certain thing or you don't have to clean yourself up before you come to Jesus. You simply receive him. You believe in his name. To those people, he gave the right to become children of God. Jesus made a pathway through his death and his burial and his resurrection, created a new family that in him, we might all enter into the kingdom of God, find forgiveness for our sin, find healing for our soul and find life forevermore. And that's what we're talking about today. And that's the hope that I have to offer you. That's what I have to offer you today. You feel lonely? God created you to be in a family and primarily the family of God. So I wanna invite you into that today. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? If you're in this place today and you know that you're not in the family of God, you might've said certain things, but there's something inside of you that you just know that there's a gap. That's the first group of people I wanna to talk to. I wanna invite you right now. If you believe in Jesus, if today you wanna make a decision to follow him and, and, and put a stake in the ground and say, God, I believe in you. Then right now, right where you are, just say, God, I believe in you. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you died. I believe that you were risen to new life for me. I believe that I put my faith in you. It's, it's, it's not about how complicated the prayer is. It's about your heart posture. I believe God's been drawing you for a long time. I believe he's been speaking to you. I believe that you've been sort of maybe unsatisfied in life. And God is, is offering you his love and his grace right now. So just say, I believe in you, Jesus. Others of you right now, maybe you've made that decision before, but it's been a, you've just been on a journey and it's not been a good one. And today you wanna come back to God. You wanna come back to him. Just right now, just say, God, I, just forgive me of my sin. Forgive me of where I've been. It's like that story of the prodigal son in the Bible where the, the prodigal son leaves his father's house and he goes and he lives a crazy life, spends all the money, just, just parties it up. And, and, and the thought that he had was, my father's not gonna take me back. My father's not gonna take me back. But then the son ends up saying, at least I'll just go back and try to work for my dad. At least, at least I'll have some food to eat. And on his way back, his father was looking for him and saw him and ran to him and fell on him and hugged him and brought him immediately back into the family. That's how God views you right now, today. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. His grace is sufficient for you, but come back home. Come back home. If that's you just right now, say, Jesus, I, I surrender my life to you. Surrender my heart to you. All that I am, God, thank you for your faithfulness to me. Thank you for your faithfulness. God, as a church right now, Father, we surrender to you. 
God, we are your family. We are your children. God, I pray that in our lives, God, in this church, that that would become more and more uh, meaningful to us. God, that we would not look at one another as just a bunch of individual people separate, but God, that we, would, that we would look at one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. Come on right now, would you stand to your feet? Would you stand to your feet? God, we are asking for you to, to do a great work in us, to do a great work in us, Jesus. God, as a community, we surrender all that we are. We surrender our gifts, our talents, our abilities. God, we want you to use us. We want you to use us in a mighty way. God, as a community, Father, we pray that you would help us again to grow as a family, to grow in Christ, to know you, to grow and to go. Father, not just to hoard all the things that you're doing in us, God, but to, but to, to go in your anointing, to reach people with this message. Father, we pray for our small groups, God, that are about to launch. And Father, we're praying for your spirit to go before us. God, there's so many people that we're praying for right now that would come to know you. God, we pray that small groups would be a great on-ramp for them, Jesus. God, in everything that we do as a church, God, let your hand be upon it. Father, as we worship you here, God, I pray that you would be lifted up in our lives, that you would be lifted up in this community, that you'd be lifted up, God, that we would be a flagship church, a flagship family that people can look to and rely on. Come on, let's begin to sing this together. called ARC. It's the Association of Related Churches. Last month in January, they planted 15 churches just in January alone. So it's an amazing way for us to reach and grow. 
the body of Christ because of your generosity and we're super thankful for your generosity. If you wanna continue to sow or to start sowing into the body of Christ, there's two ways to give, um, online or at the mailing address behind me. And we get to be part of so many things that way. Um, but I wanna kinda take a minute now to bring it down home. Pastor Jordan just talked a lot about family. And our goal here at Northwood is that everyone in this room is in family. And we don't want anyone to leave here without feeling like they've locked arms into our family. Um, and I'll keep repeating the word because it is so important that no one leaves here without someone else connected to them. So if you're new to Northwood and this is your first time or if you need some more information, um, there's a card in the seat back in front of you. It's called a what's next card. Fill that out and um, take it to the table back here to my left and they'll be able to connect with you. There's a couple back there, give you information. We'll actually have a pastor call you or text you this week and kind of get in touch with you. The second thing, if you've done that and you've already passed that point, um, over here on this side is our small group area. This is an amazing way for you to connect in families. Whether it's a sermon small group or whether it's the freedom groups that he was talking about earlier, make sure if you haven't already selected a small group that you stop at those tables and join a small group. If you've done all these things and you still need someone to agree with you this morning in prayer, then we're gonna have prayer partners here and they're gonna be able to stop and pray with you wherever you are. So we're super excited to have you in our family and we just hope that you have a great day. Make sure you take the time to get plugged in today. Oh, and also have a great Super Bowl Sunday. We'll see y'all later.